Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's good to have Martha back. She's probably a little rusty and her brain is a little fried because of her ordination exam she just got through. (laughs) But it's good to have her back anyway. And Steve, continue to pray for Steve and Martha as the uh, examiners uh, read their tests. And we need to pray for them uh, because uh, it'd be great to see the two of them moving forward uh, towards the ordination process. Uh, We are in the season of Epiphany. You know, probably if you have been in this church, in an Episcopal or Anglican church, if you've been in any liturgical church over the past couple of weeks, you know we're in the season of, of Epiphany. But Epiphany is one of those words that not a lot of people know exactly what it means. We know it kind of, we hear it every year, and sometimes the clergy, when they're preaching, even talk about the word epiphany, but what does it really mean? You know what it reminds me of? Sometimes we do this in the church. When you're walking in the woods at, let's say, something like a forest preserve or on a trail, and you see these signs under trees and bushes that are just so long, you know you're not going to remember them. Instead of it saying water oak or... Live oak, which I could, you know, I can understand that. But these Latin words that are really, really long, or names of birds that are really, really long. Sometimes we use theological terms or words in the church that, you know, don't you just speak English? And epiphany is one of those words, even though we hear it all the time. Let me tell you, epiphany in the New Testament is related to theophany in the Old Testament. Let me tell you what that means. The root word in Greek, phanos, has to do with, if you look at the verb form, revealing, to reveal, to show, to shine forth. And when you see theophany, theophany in the Old Testament has to do with God revealing himself which we see in the Old Testament reading. And then you come to the New Testament, and the readings around Epiphany, such as the reading we had last week, John the Baptist and Jesus being baptized by John, that Jesus is being revealed, that Epi is upon, that the Spirit has come upon Jesus, that Jesus has come upon the earth and revealed who God is. God has come in the flesh. So that's what these words are all about. You've got the theophany of the Old Testament, and you've got this epiphany of the New Testament where Jesus is revealing himself now to the apostles. And the people that perceive the revelation are touched and changed. Because that's what's meant to happen when we really understand that God is revealing himself and who he is and what that is meant to mean for our lives, that we are transformed by that. If we really take in the revelation of who God is. You know, think about last week, the baptism of Jesus, especially for those of you that may not have been here. You've got this revealing done 
by the Father who said, This is my Son, the Beloved. And then you have the revealing of the Holy Spirit on Jesus in, quote-unquote, the form of a dove descending on him. You have the revealing of Jesus through John the Baptist who says, I've come to baptize you with water. He who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that fire gets back to this whole idea of the light coming into the world, being revealed. The noun form, phanos, has to do with a torch or a lantern. And you'll notice in the Old Testament reading this reference to the lamp. That would be phanos. That God is constantly trying to reveal himself to us. And the question is, are we open to that revelation? Because if we're really open, we cannot stay the same. Which is what we see in Samuel. Which is what we see in Nathaniel. Which is what we see in everyone who's touched by God. But, sometimes people miss it. Sometimes we miss it. Have you ever said or someone said around you, I didn't see it. I missed it. You know, sometimes it's really hard. When you go to a football game and they don't have the large screen and you're so used to instant replay and you miss it. Whether you're in the bathroom or getting food or something to drink or you just missed it. You didn't see it. Or you didn't hear it. What did they say? I missed it. You know, probably most of you have had that experience in your life at some point where you just didn't see it and it caused a problem. I've told this story before. Some of you have heard it. One morning I got up really early. I was meeting my, the bishop that ordained me for breakfast. And my son Aaron packed, parked his black SUV in a spot that he didn't normally park it in. And I was in a hurry. We were meeting at 6 o'clock for breakfast, which was awful. That's what time he wanted to meet because he was passing by. So I was in a hurry backing out of the driveway, and since I wasn't used to my son parking where he normally did, and it was dark outside, and he had a black SUV, I slammed into it. I didn't see it. When I came home later, and Aaron said, what happened to my car? I said, I didn't see it. How, when we don't see it, it causes a problem. Another time, I was at the, the ski slopes with my two boys and Larry Mann and his two boys. And we were skiing together, Larry and I, and our boys were snowboarding together. And they're making this announcement over the announcements. And you know how, when you're at a place like that, you just don't pay attention, Right? Well, apparently what they were saying is, could Greg Kronz please report the ski, can, ski patrol? <laughs> and I just was tuning it out. I wasn't listening. Well, Daniel had fallen and fractured his wrist. But I didn't hear it. And sometimes we miss it. We don't see it. We don't hear it. And God keeps trying to reach us. Let me read to you from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. 
And this is actually what is unfolding here as Jesus is talking, is he's making a reference to Isaiah the prophet. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive and hearing they do not listen. Nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which says, You will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed look but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing. For they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Do you understand what God's goal is here? That when we're willing to open our eyes, when we're willing to open our ears, which really points to opening our heart, that we are healed. That which we say we really want. God is saying, I will bring you. But the question is, do we really want to see? Do we really want to hear? Because unfortunately what, unfortunately what happens is oftentimes we are so much caught up in the world and cultured that we can't hear and we can't see what the Lord is wanting to do in us and with us and through us. And that's really, these two patch, passages are really about God wanting to reveal Himself to us. He calls us. Jesus would say at one point, many are called, few are chosen. Why are they chosen? Because they refuse to respond. Not because God doesn't love us or want us in relationship with with us or teach us and reveal more and more of Himself to us, to raise us up, to cause us to become mature to grow in the knowledge and love of Him, and to be able to share that love and forgiveness with other people. Because He's called. He called Samuel, and Samuel responded. He called Nathaniel and Philip before Him, and they responded. And we are called by the prophets of the Old Testament, by Jesus The Gospels, the Epistles in the New Testament were called by preachers. We're drawn by the Holy Spirit so that He might open our eyes. But do we respond? Or are we close to what it is He wants to tell us, to show us, where He wants to lead us? It's almost like being at the ocean. And you can't find your child. And you go into that momentary panic where you start calling their name. But you know, the child can't hear you because on the one hand, you've got the people, the crowds of people around you. And there's so much talking. There's so much noise. And you've got the ocean that's roaring as the waves break. See, the ocean is like the world around us that is making so much noise that sometimes we can't hear the voice of the Lord because we don't pull back. We're not willing to seek Him. 
Or sometimes the voices are so loud in the culture because of movies, because of television, because of advertisements, because of people around us that have a different agenda that is so caught up in the world. We can't hear the Lord's voice. Because He's calling us. He wants what's best for us because He loves us. He wants to heal us. And the question is, are we willing? We're oftentimes not used to hearing God speak. Let me tell you what I mean by that. God wants to speak to us in our hearts. God wants to speak to us through His Word. God wants to speak to us through godly friends. God wants to nudge us by His Holy Spirit so that we know what it means to follow Him. But we are so used to hearing human voices, if not our own voice, that tells us contrary to Him, or we actually just end up ignoring Him. Did you notice what Samuel did when he first heard, quote-unquote, the voice of the Lord? He ran to Eli. Why? Because he's used to hearing from a human being. A human being who was, at best, religious. But most likely compromised in his faith. If you caught the first line of the Old Testament reading, it said, The word of the Lord was rare rare in those days, and visions from the Lord had ceased. Why? Because Israel had settled into the land. They became comfortable. They compromised what it meant to walk with the Lord and believe in Him. They became settled and secured in the things of the world so that they didn't need God quite as much. And so they weren't listening for His voice. It wasn't that He had stopped calling. It wasn't that He wasn't trying to reveal Himself to them. They stopped looking. They stopped hearing. And so they listened for human voices. So it was natural for Samuel to run to Eli. Eli, who he himself wasn't poised to really receive or hear what the Lord was trying to say to the people of Israel. He was the priest of the shrine. But he stopped hearing. And it took him three times, three times to figure out, wait, I'm the only guy around here, he's hearing a voice, maybe it's the Lord. So Samuel finally decided to ask the Lord, speak. Because Samuel had a pure heart. Samuel was genuinely seeking the Lord. Speak. For your servant is ready to listen. And for a Jew, listen means, I will follow. I will obey. Not just hear. But I'll follow. I'll do what it is you call me to do. I won't ignore. I won't close my ears. See, a lot of times we close our ears or shut our our eyes or turn our eyes away Because the promises of the world are so attractive. What the world calls love, a lot of times, really is about pleasure-seeking and self-gratification. 
What the world calls peace is often the absence of conflict or financial security. What the Lord calls what the Lord calls joy, the world often is interested in happiness that is fleeting and superficial. In fact, much of what the world promises, which sounds so good, is short term. God is interested in the long term. He's interested in you developing character and depth and integrity. He's interested in a person who really wants to learn what it means to love and to show compassion and to live with the peace that passes understanding and the joy that never ceases even amidst the hardships. That's the healing that Jesus talks about. The healing of our souls that takes listening to Him. Not just hearing intellectually. See, Eli understood that. Intellectually. But Samuel was willing to hear the Lord speak. Willing to open his eyes to what the Lord was calling him to. That's what he wants for us. The world makes so many promises. That it can never deliver. But what the Lord promises, He will transform us inside out and bring depth. And the consequences are eternal. Because He wants us to share this love and joy and peace for all eternity. That's what He wants for us. You know, the question is, because we are so used to hearing human voices... Television, movies, radios. We're so used to seeing the world's way through the visions that we see, the images that we see on television. God wants us to listen for His voice. But the only way we can do that is if we come with this open heart. That when we say we want to hear you, Lord, that we're willing to take the step, we're willing to obey. Otherwise, we won't hear. Because listening means a changed heart and a changed life. That's what listening really is about here. That when he calls you, you're willing to come to him for salvation, forgiveness, transformation. When He calls you, you're willing to serve. You're willing to give. When He calls you, you're willing to grow and read His Word so that you can hear Him. So that you can begin to get a vision for who He is and what He wants for your life. That's listening. That's seeing. You know, think of times in your life that you really wanted to see. I've never had great eyesight since probably first grade. I've always had challenges with my eyes. And you know, I remember when I began to be fascinated 
by God's creation. And I began to see him in creation. I wanted to experience a lot of creation. And I loved meteorological and astronomical phenomena. I just loved it. You know, that's why a couple years ago, some of you weren't here back then, I actually did an 11-part sermon series on the weather. Go figure. And I loved it. I had a great time. But one of the things I always wanted to see was a shooting star. And I remember being outside with my siblings or my parents, and they'd say, oh, there's one. I never saw it. And when I was like 12, 13, 14 years old, I used to caddy. I weighed 80 pounds, and I used to carry double sometimes. I was dying by the end of the round, by the way. I will never forget these golfers who would hit the golf ball into the woods and say, did you see it? I'll tell you what I felt like saying, but I didn't. But I will never forget on a couple of occasions, the golfer actually yelled at me for not being able to find their ball. And I felt like saying, and you couldn't do that because you'd lose your job. You hit it in the woods. It's not my fault. I used to play baseball when I was younger too. And as my eyes started to get worse before I got glasses, you know, and I didn't recognize exactly what was going on, I put my hand up for a high fly ball and it hit me right here. Knocked me out. I had a broken nose. That was the first time I had a broken nose. You think I look this way naturally, right? (laughs) You know, we long to see. We long to be able to see. And what difference it would make in our lives. It took the corrective lenses for me to be able to see. takes the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit for you to be able to see. You know, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, let me read to you what he said. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Paul writes to the Romans, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made, so they are without excuse. In other words, God has begun to reveal himself to us in creation. He gives us hints. And then he calls us or tries to by his Holy Spirit. And because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we have this opportunity to be born from above. Forgiven, cleansed, healed, and transformed. That's what he wants for us. He wants to open our eyes. He wants to open our ears. Jesus said in his first sermon, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
If you're not here genuinely seeking, you will not see God. If you're here because you just want to be religious, Eli was religious. His sons worked at the temple, and they were a disaster. They were worldly womanizers. Or if you're here because it's a good thing to do, you won't hear, you won't see. Let me read to you from Psalm 32. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. In other words, once you come to him and seek his forgiveness and salvation, that he wants to remove any deceit from our lives where we are in denial about the reality of our lives. That we're in denial about the hold the world has on us. We're no longer deceiving ourselves. We're seeking him with a pure heart. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. See, we don't have to feel guilty. God doesn't want us to feel guilty. That's what the cross is all about. But if you're always playing a game with the Lord, you're going to struggle with that. Let me read, read to you from Isaiah 53. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. That's Jesus. No deceit in his mouth. Jesus is calling you to a true life. To a true understanding of who God is. Because he is not seeking to deceive us. There is so much deception in the world. He wants you to know the truth about your life. About what he can do for you. About how he can change you. Micah 4.4 But they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees. And no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Now let me tell you the reason I read this. Because, once again, unless you understand the colloquialism of Israel, you won't understand this. That to sit under your fig tree or your vine was to pray. Was to seek the Lord and meditate on His Word. That that's what Nathaniel was doing. That's why Jesus said when Nathaniel showed up, here's one with no guile because he was seeking the Lord with a pure heart. And Nathaniel said, how do you know me? And Jesus is saying, because I know you were praying, because I know you were seeking, because I know you wanted to hear my word and have your eyes open. And notice what it also said, will not be afraid. So much of our lives are dominated by fear. Will not be afraid that anything you're afraid of, anything that intimidates you, In the world, you can let go. And you can trust Him. Jesus stood before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And because of their religiosity, could not see Him. Could not hear Him. Jesus stood before Herod and Pilate. 
They had the wealth, the power, the position. Everything that the world says you should have. And they couldn't see Him. They couldn't hear Him. See, it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum you're on, if you're just a good religious person, or if you're a person who has bought into the promises of the world. What He wants is you. He wants your heart. And the only way, the only way, is if you seek Him with an open heart, a pure heart. And He will open your eyes and you will see. And He will open your ears and you will hear. And your life will be transformed. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, we are bombarded on all sides from the noises of the world. The cacophony of sounds that draw us into the world and away from you. The promises of all that's best in the world. That in the long run and in the eternal picture is but dust. Lord, I pray this day that every person here would seek you. That they would have a pure heart washed by your blood. They would have eyes to see and ears to hear because your spirit has healed our blindness. And opened our ears. Lord help us to see you this day. And to hear your call on our lives. Help us to seek to have lives that are transformed. So that we might live in your love. And grow in the knowledge and love of you. And be a blessing to those around us. Open our hearts. And change us. In Jesus' name, amen.